Bangly Bang. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to a very special edition of the Empire Podcast. This may be the first in a regular series of shameless plugs uh, in this month's issue, which has Jeff Goldblum looking resplendent on the cover for Independence Day Resurgence. Uh, you will find a lovingly compiled list, compiled by us, the staff of Empire Magazine, of the 50 greatest sci-fi moments of all time. And not just movie moments, TV as well. So we thought it would be a simply capital idea to get together and discuss the whys and wherefores of that list, the things we got right, the things we maybe got wrong, Ooh. the glaring emissions, the glaring emissions. Is that right? Is that a I, word? I don't think I don't think a it's a word. No. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's sci-fi. We can make up words. Glorious, glorious sci-fi. Uh, joining me to discuss the list in great detail, you've already heard her whispering. It's Helen O'Hara. Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. All the better for talking about sci-fi. You like sci-fi, don't you? I do, yes. Mm. Dan Jolin's here. Nanu, nanu. <laughs> Dan's a big sci-fi guy. I am, I am. I think of all the speculative fiction genres, I think it's it's the most effective in cinema. What is your favourite? Sci or fi? Well, fi. No, sorry. No, wait. <laughs> oh my goodness, Dan's head just exploded. Already, that already. was unexpected. How, how can I? How can I pick between the two? Because, because you know, science is endlessly fascinating. You know, every okay. Of- and uh, Johnny Pyle, uh, our deputy editor, will also be here at some point. We're hoping. Hooray! <laughs> what we're going to do? Because we don't have a lot of time, sadly. Uh, is we're going to go down the list, fifty to number one. Discuss some of the more standout moments. Great. And then. At the end, I want each of you to lobby for a film that should have been on there. Or okay. a moment that should have been on there. Yeah. All right. Or a TV show that should have been on there. Yeah. Something, okay? Yeah. Right, okay. Starting off, number 50, Flight of the Navigator. The moment where David, played by Joey Kramer, arrives home mm-hmm. after his flight. Mm. He's, a, he's a navigator. Mm. And he, he flies. Yeah. I yeah. wrote this entry, actually. Yeah. This, this was mine. It's kind of one of those sort of forgotten movies from the 80s era where it all got very, you know, all that kind of like that Amblin vibe. This is actually a Disney movie. But it's got a really, really strong sci-fi concept in it because it uses the idea of uh, relativity or time lag or however you want to describe it. So, yeah, this this kid basically vanishes for all these years. But to him, he just fell asleep in the forest. Mm-hmm. And the reason he's vanished is because he's gone off on this, you know, this flight on this spaceship and the reason I wanted it on the list was because it's like a childhood nightmare I used to have this weird nightmare like I'd come home from school and try and get into my own home and I would be able to open the door and then the door would open and a stranger would be standing there and inside everything would be decorated differently or something like somehow the place that was my home would no longer be my home and this is exactly what this moment keys into so it's a great emotional moment that really resonates but at the same time it comes from a from a science fiction origin it could only have happened with a science fiction device. Uh, I would slightly argue with that conclusion just because there's a very good fantasy novel called Homeward Bounders, which also plays with the same notion. Mm. Uh, but it actually has some sci-fi ideas in there as well, so I'm going to let it go. I remember being quite quite horrified by it when I watched it as a kid mm. as well. It is, it's, it's much tougher stuff than you expect in one of these films, I think. So, hooray for that. Yeah. Well, we spent a lot of time discussing number 50. <laughs> Well, we don't have to go through no, every no. single entry on the list. I think we should. We should. You know, there should be some, some other, salient, yeah. salient entries. Yeah. Okay, well, salient. I, I will go through every entry in the list, but to read the full thing, to read Dan's uh, <laughs> wonderful words, to pick up the the new issues on sale now. All good and evil news agents, uh, priced just four pounds fifty, which is very very good. All right, number 40, 49, 49. It's a moment from Star Trek The Motion Picture. I can't believe we have any moment from Star Trek The Motion Picture. I'm appalled by this. However, <laughs> admittedly, if you're going to choose one, this is the one to choose. It's beautiful. This, this is, is a kiss, isn't it? No, wait. Chris, this stop is the... reading your fan fiction. Hang on. Actually, the, the light is shining on the magazine. I can't read it. Oh, this is the um, the introduction of the Enterprise. When, yeah. when Kirk is reunited with the Enterprise. And like everything else in Star Trek The Motion Picture, it is hugely long. And self-important. Um, however, it is it is a good section. It is. A, it's a beautiful, beautiful shot, and the music is fantastic. It's just the whole story around it that's terrible. And we did say moment. moments, not films. This is true. So, this know. is true. Forty-eight uh, is a is a, a personal favourite of mine. We've got uh, AI, artificial intelligence. The the dinner table mal- malfunction is actually not the moment I would have chosen from that film. What but moment I, would you have chosen? I would have chosen probably. Uh, the bit at the end, which just kills me every time, where he's just talking to the blue fairy in the submarine. Yeah. Ah, oh, just destroys me. And then the, the and then the, the, the super 
the super evolved uh, robots turn up at the end and, yeah. and give him a little bit of a dream come true. So if you haven't seen AI, artificial intelligence, yeah, spoiled it, uh, but this is one of the most misunderstood endings I think I've, I st- yes. to this day I still see people saying it's a happy ending and it's Spielberg tacked on a happy ending to Kubrick's Exactly, uh, and first vision. of all it's Kubrick's ending. It's Kubrick's ending. And if you go to the Kubrick exhibition that certainly was at, uh, I think it was LACMA a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, uh, it, it actually has his storyboards for it there. It is definitely Kubrick's ending, but also it's a great film that gets... Um, eternally overlooked absolutely anyway. apologies listeners but we do have sadly we only have what 45 minutes today scheduled in the booth we do have day jobs it's the thing about this podcast you know we could sit in this booth and talk about sci-fi moments and men's fashion all day but we got things to do and it's also press day which doesn't doesn't help <laughs> either uh, anyway fantastic planet fantastic planet it's number 47 uh, Rene Lelou's uh, cut an animation uh, yeah, so this is this is one of those kind of um, gorgeous sort of curios from the seventies in a way. I mean, it's it's, it's 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 just an amazing image, really. This is what we focused on here. So you've got these um, aliens called the uh, drags, and they keep humans as pets. Johnny Pyle is here. Hello, everyone. Come join us. <laughs> so yeah, it's just it's just a really interesting image of this uh, huge blue alien holding a uh, a human in its hand. A fine example of interspecies appreciation oh that's lovely uh hello johnny hello mate how are you i'm good you're right uh yeah touch out of breath i'm all right then <laughs> it's gonna be fun here you heavily breathing so. for the next let's just yeah. do two or three entries and i'll stop hyperventilating <laughs> and then we'll be fine yeah. all right we'll talk we'll talk around you so next up is a moment from avatar the most successful movie of all time very low down on the list i think i think avatar is underrated as a sci-fi movie actually i think it's proper sci-fi you know it looks like the cover of all those books i read growing up that were on my dad's shelf and it is um it's a proper series of sci-fi concepts alien mining an alien world dealing with indigenous species and you know putting your your mind in another body that's that's proper sci-fi so this moment that we've chosen which is jake waking up in his new avatar body is kind of key to selling the whole film you've got to believe that to believe anything about the story that follows so mm. i think it, it that it works as well as it does is a testament to james cameron absolutely i, I like this moment i like that I, like, I do like avatar it has somewhat uh been sullied <laughs> over over the years just it has diminished a little bit for me but um but i do remember watching that moment for the first time it is a, it is a cracker but would you've had any other moments from avatar yeah i would have actually had the banshee flying Ooh, moment yeah good flying pretty moment. amazing the bit where he gets in the power loader and fights the alien and oh wait a minute no that's another <laughs> film yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. I think the moment where Parker Selfridge, played by uh, what's his name, Giovanni Ribisi, mm-hmm. plays golf in his office, which shows that golf will never die. No, it shows <laughs> that all people who play golf are evil. See, that's, that's your, true. That's your reading of it. Yeah, it's my reading of it. Yeah, the sport of evil. Yeah, sorry, he's got like a golf club and it's on on <laughs> Pandora, but the Navi are not allowed. Navi and a golf club—that's outrageous. For a start to nine feet tall, it get way more distance off the tee. Uh, right, forty-five is the first TV moment. Now, this is the first uh, Emperor Paul to ever blend film and television. Johnny? Hi, mate. Can you talk about that? Why we've decided to blend these two mediums? Well, I think it's, uh, it's because actors almost don't uh, see any difference between moving between the two mediums. I mean, when we're talking about TV, we're not talking, sadly, about uh, Pointless or anything like that. I mean, <laughs> they are... <laughs> what a great idea for a feature. I know, right? The 50 greatest Pointless moments of all time. I know, but oh. next issue... Um, but you know we're talking about you know cinematic moments with people yep. of great talent crafting things that could you know move between the two film or TV. Yeah. So um, because you know when you're growing up, like it'll come later, but you know X Files was on TV all the time, and that informed a lot about what we think about science fiction. Certainly, mm-hmm. uh, uh, people of our age, um, we decided that the time was right. The time's now. The time mm. is now. And you know I, I think you know some of the best cinema at the moment is on telly. It's true. It's true. And certainly, uh, this particular episode of Black Mirror is a good example of that. I mean, also Donald Gleason and Hayley Atwell. That's a cinematic cast right there, isn't it? Yeah. So this is from the episode um, "Be Right Back" from Black Mirror, where uh, Donald Gleason dies in a car accident and comes back as a robot. Charlie Brooker's show. All the episodes explore certain facets of futuristic technology, and this is the moment we have chosen. And not Rory Kinnear shagging a pig. Which is interesting, <laughs> which is good, believe me. I do not want that image in my head ever again. Right, 44, the alien sex scene from Monsters. I think that's enough said Pervert. about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's beautiful, though. It's a beautiful sex scene. All right. Yeah. 
pervert. Yeah. yeah. No, it's because, it, uh, you know, the, the, the great thing about that moment is you, you've got these giant aliens walking around and you expect it to be a moment of devastation and destruction, and it's not. It's, it's a mm. moment of creation. I didn't know where to look, I'll be honest with you. Are they definitely copulating for um, reproduction? <laughs> well... This isn't like a one-night stand. I thought you were going to just ask, are they definitely copulating? And no, the answer no. would be yes. However, you've just taken it to the next level. And I, 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 I honestly, I don't know if, if, if it's fun sex or just 100% we're trying for a baby sex. Horribly mechanical. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they hooked up a monster Tinder. Monster. No E. Maybe that would be <laughs> Swipe. This swipe right with your 14 tentacles. Horrifying. What? Minder. Horrifying. I want to see a film about these guys. I want to see a film about... He gets worried. Oh, it's like a glorious monster meet cute rom com where he's so sort of a bite last night, but with yeah. monsters. Oh, she hasn't called me back. Whoa, what happened? Was I not good enough? Oh no! And his monster best friend, played by Rob Reiner, is like consoling him. Uh-huh. All right, I, I can't anyway. believe they did Monsters Dark Continent instead of that. <laughs> instead of that, I, yeah. Personally, when when Harry ate Sally, right? The space dance. This was from mine Wally. as well. I mean, it's magic, isn't it? It's beautiful. It's good. It's who good. Doesn't love, who doesn't love that? You, you criticise the physics of the moment, though, I believe, Helen. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I'm slightly upsets me. I'm sorry. Uh, I have heard it criticised by physicists, and therefore I felt like I should include their, their, their worries. Apparently you can't use uh, a fire extinguisher to propel yourself in a vacuum like that. It is also a problem, of course, with gravity. Um, by that I mean the film not the theory but every action has an equal and opposite reaction right and if there's no uh, but there's nothing for it forces. to react to there's not like it's not it's it's not pushing against anything to push you anywhere I think I think is the problem so how do jetpacks work in general in space uh, I don't know I'm not a physicist <laughs> but they do don't they I've seen it yes, in loads of films yeah I don't know so, look I'm just telling you what I was told which is that apparently it doesn't work we should have checked this we should have gone we should have phoned up some physicists yeah. You're Neil deGrasse Tyson, aren't you? That's I mean, basically what you are. You're poo-pooing everything. I am Pixar should have checked it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, that's true. It's, it's not our job. Shame on you, Pixar. Shame on you. But George Clooney uses him in um, in Gravity. I, he yeah, goes, he goes, and he... Well, only because he's trying to get away from a woman his own age. Oh! Whoa. Burn! Thank you, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. By the way... <laughs> oh, my God, that's right. Mentioning Gravity, <laughs> it's not on this list, but there's a good reason for it. Why? It's not science fiction. <laughs> I mean, I think it is science fiction. It isn't. It is, mate. It's a disaster movie. No. Yeah, it's not you're... science fiction. You're right. Yeah, science fiction presupposes the existence of a technology that does not, in fact, exist, and everything in gravity pretty much exists. I, I don't think that's true because she doesn't wear a space nappy. She just has like she she would be wearing a space nappy, but she doesn't. She just wears normal pants. I think that's just an inaccuracy, not a new technology. No, no it's 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 a special space nappy that like, <laughs> is small and looks like normal pants. Uh-huh. I, I'm I'm going to go with it. it is science fiction because it involves science and it's fiction. That's not the definition. Ergo, it's science fiction. <laughs> Just because you forgot to put one of the greatest movies of the last ten years on the list, Dan. What? And you're trying desperately to cover your tracks at the last minute. What? Are we sure all that technology exists? I'm not pretty sure. Pretty much. Well, pretty much. I so think no. It's, I think it's a near future movie rather than a, yeah, than a I agree. right now movie. Fine, but, but there's, there's some there's some things in this list that are, are they sci-fi? Are they not? There are films in this list that technically are sci-fi, but I don't think of them as sci-fi. So that's an interesting discussion for later on. Great. Anyway, number forty-two is a film I love. I'm not sure how many people know it in this room. The day the Earth caught fire. I don't know it actually. You I don't have know to it. confess, I don't know it. It is but, fantastic. But when you when you pitched for this moment to be on the list, Chris, I looked at it and I thought I must see that film sometime. It's great. I've got the Blu-ray. I will bring it in for you. Thank you. Um, it is awesome. It is a foul guest movie from 1961. Uh, very very high concept movie, low budget. Earth has essentially been knocked out of its orbit um, and is heading towards the sun and is being slowly baked and mankind launches a mission which is mostly taken which mostly takes place off screen to try and knock it back into its orbit so it it predates sunshine it predates all those disaster movies of the most recent uh, years it predates and this moment predates 28 days later basically everything Killian Murphy's been in yeah. Comes from this movie. Oh, Peaky Blinders. Even Peaky Blinders. Wow. Uh, the fashion in this movie is extraordinary. Inception. Um, even Inception. Everything he's been in. So the beginning of this movie has the lead character, uh, played by Edward Judd, walk around a deserted London. And it's mm. really eerie, and uh, there's some wonderful map paintings involved. Uh, it's a great, great film, so check it out. Uh, is um, When Worlds Collide. 
on this list. It's not, is it? No. Another great sci-fi movie from the from, from the fifties. I would recommend. No great, you know, predates all those planets smashing into each other movies that happened recently. Uh, number forty-one, uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Caesar says no. Yes. I mean, no. Yes. Good. I was. I was actually. I was actually in the room when Andy Serkis delivered that line. Did in he know you were during, during the ADR session in Wellington, New Zealand? That is not an interesting story. It is because <laughs> I wasn't supposed. To, I wasn't like I wasn't. It was a spoiler moment, and obviously they don't like journalists witnessing spoiler moments. I had to. I had to, I had to keep quiet. I had to pretend I wasn't there. I was hiding in the corner. Is it a spoiler moment in a prequel? Well, the funny thing about this film was it was one of those kind of spoiler non-spoilers because they were they were very much insisting the apes in this movie do not talk at the time. It was all supposed to be setting it up, uh, but of course they did. Uh, but no, this is uh, I mean this is a really powerful moment, and actually it's even more powerful for coming right after one of the clumsiest moments in the film, where uh, uh, what's his name uh, Tom Draco Draco Malfoy says, "Get your hand damn hands off me, you damn dirty ape" or whatever. Uh, which de- doesn't land well at all, but then and then this moment comes straight after and just rescues the whole scene. All right, I'm going to make an executive decision here. I'm going to not go through everything in the list because I've just realised we've got 25 minutes left and we haven't. We're on number 40. 41. So I'm going to go Should through the top 10. Some interesting moments. We'll, we'll go through the top 10 and then we can pick out interesting ones. I think okay. after that. Actually, you know what? I'm going to start from 11 because 11 is a moment. As is traditional. I personally feel should have been in the top 10, not just because I wrote it, but um, I didn't write the moment. Bill Lancaster wrote the moment. But I wrote the bit about the moment, which is the blood test sequence from John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, it's at number 11. This is an amazing moment. And again, this is one of those films that people might not necessarily think of as sci-fi, although it involves an alien and flying saucers. They might think of it as horror, first and foremost, but it's very much... It is very much it sci-fi. It is a sci-fi movie, yeah. yeah. Sci-fi horror. Absolutely. Yeah, like all the best ones. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, it's terrific, terrific moment. Terrific film. Love it. Mm. And such an influential moment as well uh, and so good And but once you know that the, the hand so if you look very closely Kurt Russell's hand is, is fake there's a close up of and he's got his hand in, in close up and it's actually a fake hand so that the blood can, squ- can squirt out of the Petri dish when the, the thing's infected blood is touched with the flame and once you know that it's very very hard to get around but I will say <laughs> For a movie that has tons of prosthetics, courtesy of the great Rob Bottin, uh-huh. uh, it has the, the this has the the moment that genuinely makes me squirm every single time, and it is such a small moment. It is never mind when dogs split apart or when people's heads erupt with you know spider legs or a chest gives way and has fangs and bites off someone's arms. Never mind all that. Simple blood test: scalpel uh, goes along a thumb and produces a, a drop of blood. That's the moment that gets me every it single time. It feels real. It, it feels, feels real. Like it could happen to you. Yeah. you. You know your head probably, probably isn't going to uh, sprout legs. We, we really hope. Again. Give us that one time. But everyone <laughs> experiments in college. But otherwise, yeah, thing at number 11. But knocking it out at the top 10. But I wonder if we should have started at 12 since uh, Independence Day was the reason, What's the 13? inspiration yeah. for this list. The reason right. for the season, if you will. We were so excited about Independence Day Resurgence and we were talking about... Hey, isn't, wasn't it great when the White House explodes? Yeah. And we're like, hey, that was a great sci-fi moment. Hey, we should do the 50 greatest sci-fi moments. This is how the magic happens. I know. It's a, a peek behind the curtain. Hmm. Indeed. Uh, that is one of the great moments. Uh, I was thinking about this uh, yesterday for exactly the same reason, uh, Independence Day Resurgence. And it actually did change cinema a little bit what he did in that film the scale of the disaster in that film and the Mm. scale of the disaster that he showed on screen in that film i think you know was was the first of the real kind of modern let's just destroy everything movies i know you know you've just been talking about films in the 50s where the world was threatened the world was under siege and whatever else of course planet the apes you know the entire human race has been supplanted but you didn't see everything blow up which is what you did see or you felt like you saw an Independence Day. Except you didn't. That's a funny thing. I know, but you think it's, you did. It's, it's like three buildings. I yeah. mean, not, no, not three buildings, but it's three landmarks, that, that three areas that yeah. spark it off. It's LA and it's DC and it's New York. And as, they don't actually show anything else. As we learned, of course, from Clyde uh, with a Chance of Meatballs, you know, disasters do tend to strike the landmarks first yeah. and then mm-hmm. spread out worldwide. And as Jeff Goldblum says in the new film as well. Spoiler. 
Spoiler. It's in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler for the trailer. Spoiler for the trailer. I, uh, and this was in the trailer as well, which is on, yes. the destruction of the White House. They do show more than that. They show LA getting trounced. They see the you see the, uh, the fire. Uh, I, I, I was talking yeah. yeah. about LA, New York. Yeah. Yeah, Washington. Yeah. Tell you what, don't look at the don't look at the copy because I wrote this. What okay. are the three buildings that get destroyed? The White House. The White House. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know the one in LA. The White no. House. Um. I'm, uh. Hang on. So wait. Well, it's Washington, New York. Uh, Empire State. Is the Empire State or yeah. is the Chrysler Building? No, Empire, Empire State. State. Empire State. Top of my head, LA, I'm guessing it's the US Bank Tower. You have looked. Have I? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, so it is. There it is. The US Bank Tower. Um, I love this sequence. I think this is one of the pinnacles of, of modern disaster movie making. Yeah, I, yeah, I, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And the build up to it and the, the destruction. Yeah. Most of it, I mean, the models are practical. Yeah. And that's, mm. that's one of the great things about it. It's a model. It? Yeah, and there's CG, there's models, there's all sorts of stuff. The, the real White House was blown up for this. It was extraordinary. It yeah, was on the news and everything, didn't you? Yeah, didn't you see that? I was very young in yeah. 96. Yeah. <laughs> but um, as you say here in your piece, the aliens positioned 108 city destroyers over the Earth. And presumably they all fire off at the same time. Um, I'm guessing London was one of the cities positioned. I mean, it is. Put it out is. Yeah. It's mentioned in, actually in, in, in the dialogue yeah. of the film. They say London is yeah. one of the places. Yeah. Uh, so, But London in Independence Day Research seems to have been rebuilt Mm. Yeah, exactly as, as it as, is now. as does the Eiffel Tower. So I think they just rebuilt the. I mean, I th- there's obviously a psychological reason for it because if uh, we're getting into Independence Day Resurgence talk, which we'll talk about yeah, on a spot special. Yeah. yeah, but I think there, there's obviously people have rebuilt those landmarks specifically, or certainly some of those landmarks that we see. Yeah, landmarks I can understand, but rebuilding like the walkie-talkie building, I mean, no one wants that. Wouldn't have been no, that wouldn't have been one of those. That's a very good point. That's new now. You see those adverts for Euro '96. I hadn't seen them. The, uh, I probably saw them at the time. Terry Fenables and the Inright advert for Independence Day Resurgence, but with Terry Fenables and the Inright talking about, oh, yeah, you're in 96, it was a great, great time, then the aliens arrived. And you're kind of going, what? Right, I see. You're blaming Gareth Southgate's penalty miss on aliens? I mean, I'm not sure that's canon. I'm really confused. I'm like, I don't know. It's a really weird blending of sci-fact and sci-fiction. Right, in the top ten. Holy shit, Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father? <laughs> when did this happen? Is this really a sci-fi moment? I guess, but... So this was the question. That was one, one of the debates was, is that a sci-fi film for gravity and such like? Sure, and the sure. other thing is, is this a sci-fi moment yeah. or is it a moment in a sci-fi film and therefore we accept it and we decide if it was a sci-fi film and there was a moment within it, then All that right, was fair, fair game. All right. Yeah, okay. I mean, my, my, my feeling was that it's it's such a... Uh, a, f- a flexible genre. It's, it, there's so much variety yeah. within yeah. it that you can actually have so many different kinds of fantastic moments, but they all count as science right, fiction fine. moments. Um, so that's that's why there's there's moments here that are about spectacle and vision and ideas, but there's also moments here that are about emotion and 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 truly you know universal things. Like for example, discovering that your dad is actually an evil force wielding cyborg. Oh, we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Again, without looking at the papers, what is the line? The line. Darth Vader line. It's uh, Obi Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me no. If he told me you killed him, no, I am your father. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, which uh, I wrote correctly, then you changed back to the wrong one and I had to change back again. <laughs> yeah, this is too much behind the curtain. So thanks for that, Dan. And to be fair, I spotted my own mistake and told you about it. And I said, oh, look, I've done this silly thing. I'm changing it back. You silly. But yeah, everyone, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me that remembers it's Luke, I am your father. Yeah, but no, you're, yeah, it is literally it's just, just you. Yeah. Oh, dear. No, it's father, I am your Luke. This um, is really embarrassing. This is a great moment. I, I, this is sci-fi. It's a man wearing a helmet with a big laser sword in space alright well actually <laughs> he's, 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 he's not in space he's in the uh, upper atmosphere of a oh, um, gas cloud gas giant I mean yeah. come on he put the Dan in pedant pedant <laughs> yeah number 10 should it have been higher well let's see what else is in the top 10 should it be that yeah. moment from that yeah. film it's the Star Wars moment isn't it I mean it's just I, I love you I know there's mm. so many, oh that's not a sci-fi moment as the, I would have as had the man is being put into the thing that doesn't exist I would exist. have had the rancor keeper the Rancor Keeper. The Rancor oh, Keeper. It's a different film. That's Morning. Just I know. Weird. Well, yeah, from a different Star Wars film. Well, yeah, but Return of the Jedi could be in here and actually isn't in here. Yeah. Well, no, then, there's okay. no, there's no Rancor. There's no. Um, it's a trap. That's a great that. moment. Yeah, I love the moment when they come into hyperspace. It's just the, the moment where they go into the hyperspace where the Rebel fleet just goes. Yeah. And disappears. And then, of course, the moment when they realize it is a trap. That's uh, so <gasps> good. And yeah. everything with Luke Vader and the Emperor. Anyway. Yeah. Number nine. Hanky said at the ready. Not because it's an alien sex scene, because Spock's dead. 
Oh. It's the death of Spock from Star Trek The Wrath of Khan. Uh, Star Trek 2 The Wrath of Khan. Helen, you wrote this. I did. For which I eternally hate you because I wanted to write it. <laughs> uh, and Dan knew that. Dan mm-hmm. knew that. Mm-hmm. But it was deliberate. Yeah, you absolute prick. Mm-hmm. Um, love was, you. Nothing, it was but, good love. Because Nothing I got, but love for Dan. It was good because I got to watch it again to write it and... Uh, and cried all over again. There has never, ever, ever been a time when I've watched the scene and not cried. And I've, I've seen it a lot of times. It, it gets me every single time. Even though you know he's coming back? Yes. <laughs> Spoiler. Like, he outlives <laughs> everybody. He does. <laughs> he does but yeah. it's still, it's an amazing scene. Spock sacrifices himself to save the Enterprise. You know, the, the question that runs through those films, the needs of the one, the needs of the many. In this case, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. And it's... It's just so moving because it has the weight of three decades of friendship behind it and you yeah. feel that. And I think that's why uh, Star Trek Into Darkness doesn't work. It doesn't have that earned emotion that yeah. you get from this. Because even if you never watched the, the series, I at the time I saw this, I had not watched a lot of the original series. I'd watched a few episodes here or there. But you still just got it from this screenplay. You still got it from this film. Mm. That weight of the friendship behind them. And I think it's... Um, it's, not, it's not, I think it's also culturally. You know, when I, when yeah. I, first, I first saw this, you know... I, oh God, what age was I? I'm not prepared to say. But anyway, I was... Young enough to not really know Star Trek that much, but I knew Spock. I knew culturally what that meant, you know, even though I didn't know what culturally meant. Um, (laughs) And I knew that his death was a big deal. But also, I think one of the things that's overlooked about the sequence is how fucking good uh, Shatner and Nimoy are. Yes. Uh, Sorry for the language, people, but... No, they are. They're amazing. And, uh, you know, Shatner gets a lot of shit over the years for... uh, A lot of shat for being, you know, this over actor but here he's absolutely amazing and also I loved a bit later on at uh, Spock's funeral uh, where he goes you know and his yeah. of all, all the souls, souls I've encountered in my, my travels, travels his was most human human yes one wonders that if one. Spock would have considered that a compliment uh, having kept his human half <laughs> somewhat tamped down over the years but uh, th- there's clearly a, a wealth of emotion behind it and yeah the, the funeral scene despite the bagpipery is um, is also wonderful what a moment what a moment um Number eight is a moment from The Matrix. This is a very interesting choice of moment. Mm. I think it's, well, interesting is an interesting choice of words. Okay. <laughs> it's the moment when um, Neo wakes up in the, the, the gunk tank, so to speak, and realises that everything he knows was wrong. Mm. Um, why this moment? Well, it's not the iconic moment, is it? No. Which it, Or one of the many iconic moments, which is why I it gave me pause for thought when it was first suggested and then... Uh, pushed through in the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was indeed. Uh, Let's maybe, get it all out now. Let's get yeah. it all out. Maybe you know. Dan can tell you better why it's here. Because it's the most important moment in the film. I think it's the moment that actually uh, sums the film up best and what it did so well, uh-huh. which is firstly, uh, we were talking earlier about you know different types of sci-fi moment. This is about vision. This is about an image of the world as seen through the eyes of someone who thought he was already living in the real world. It's an amazing moment. It's like the rug pull, but it's in the first third of the film. Um, and you've got to remember, a lot of people went to see this film and didn't know what The Matrix was. I mean, it was that, that you start watching it and you think you're just kind of, you're watching people with superpowers doing cool stuff. You don't know why. And, and it's a really interesting philosophical idea about, you know, how do you define reality? What is reality? And the whole idea that, in the end, reality is this you know, uh, fire-blasted, robot-dominated world where humanity's not even slaves. We're not even slaves. We are batteries. We're a power source. It's absolutely devastating. And it comes so early on as well. And and it just works brilliantly, I think. You know, and also it kind of, it looks a bit Geiger-ish, so it kind of recalls things, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, Alien and Aliens. Uh, it's a little bit uh, Alice in Wonderland and, and the stuff that's built around it. Uh, you know, I think, yeah, fine. I know Kung Fu is cool and the lobby scene is great. But again, they feel more like action scenes because this is a sci-fi action movie. So those are the scenes which are about the action. I think this is this is the scene that's about the, the science fiction. He's convinced me. Okay. <laughs> Genuinely or are you... Uh, well, semi. Have you, have you uh, taken, which I'll take that. <laughs> the bullet time was so important in this film, though. Well, that's a visual effects moment. Yeah, but it was so uh, revolutionary, it seemed, at the time. It, it beat uh, Phantom Menace to mm-hmm. the, uh, the Oscar for special effects, mm-hmm. I think. And that feels to me like the really the moment that was really picked up by popular culture and then lots of people did it. Such AKA a- the obvious moment. Well, okay, but yeah, maybe it is obvious, but maybe it's obvious for a reason. Once you get down to the nitty gritty, once you get down to the top ten, I expect obvious moments. 
because those are the moments that defined mm. those films. I think it's no, it's interesting. I'm not I'm not knocking your your choice here, Dan. But this is the thing. This I'm is not, the whole I'm not point. Physically of, knocking you. This is mm. the point of lists. Is, you know, you want people to read them, <laughs> and you know, sometimes violently disagree and come <laughs> online and yeah. tell not, you not not violently, ideally, no violence, please. Oh, yeah. um, and politely disagree <laughs> online. Yeah, absolutely, but you know, in coming up with lists, if any list of any kind, for whether it's for the magazine or the website, if you think that we do them in a sort of, oh, well, you know, just tick a, tick a box, there are arguments, there are huge debates, you know, there's, you know, sometimes blows. Uh, there's never been a blow. Uh, but yeah, this is interesting. Number eight, The Matrix. Number seven, I think everyone's going to agree with this one. It's Get Away From Her, You Bitch. I'm in, not. Well, well, well. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I actually, in I get aliens. it. I get why you would choose this. I get that this is probably the moment everybody talks about. It's not my favourite moment in Aliens. It's not my favourite moment it's in Aliens. It's not mine either. Well, so maybe not. We're all... So <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my favourite moment in Aliens. But this is, again, this is, the, this is the thing. This is interesting that you don't go for Matrix, but you do go for Aliens. Yeah. Which is, uh, that's the, 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 the key moment, the crowd-pleasing moment. Aliens is, is you know, uh, a great moment after great moment after great moment. But this just this one just feels like the, 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 the pinnacle. The, the whole film's building up to this which Dan is just Ripley. couldn't be bothered to write anything on <laughs> so he was happy just to put the quote and then move on to the next one. So what's your favourite moment, Donnie and Chris? Donnie first. Uh, I like all the uh, aliens, when they realise that there are tons and tons and tons of aliens and they're all coming. Yeah, yeah, that's a great moment. That's pretty cool. You, yeah. Chris? Uh, yeah, probably... Actually, no, I've never really, really stopped to think about this. That's up there. I like the little moments. I like the, uh, the, the Bishop um, Hudson knife. Dance. Life dance. Okay. My my favourite is uh Hicks repeating Ripley's I say we take off, mm. nuke the site from orbit, it's the only way to be sure. It is uh for me the sexiest moment in film history, the greatest chat line ever. Not the moment and when he gives her the um the, the track interface and says, you know, it's not like we're engaged or anything. And there's a little frizzle. A oh, there's, there's, a, there's like there's like so many frizzons, but I think this is the frizzon for me because it shows that he just accepts her knowledge and yeah. doesn't argue with her and doesn't patronise her. Um, and that's awesome. Yeah. If we're talking about the entire franchise, I like the bit at the start of Alien 3 where they completely undermine the entire plot of Aliens <laughs> and kill off two of the characters before the film starts. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a great that's moment. And in Alien Resurrection, I like it when she shoots that basketball over her head. <laughs> that was that a real was shot. amazing, yeah. Yeah, she really did that. She really did that. That ain't for real. In fact, that's, uh, yeah, it's very interesting that Alien comes ahead of Aliens. Not to give too much away, but Alien is ahead of, of Aliens. Does that mean... That we're, you know, we we think that Alien is a better film than Aliens. It's something I don't g- agree with. But. I I love Aliens more, and I watch Aliens more, but that's because I find Aliens scarier, and mm. I am a wuss. So um, I'm not sure that that is necessarily a qualitative. As a teenage boy, I much preferred Aliens, but I'm I'm coming round to Alien now. I think a- it's a lot smarter. Alien, yeah, Alien Ooh, is probably I'm not sure about that. Oh, I'm not Alien. saying Aliens isn't smart. I just yeah. think Alien is a lot smarter. Alien, they're both great, great films, but uh, it's Aliens for me all the way. Having said that, the Alien moment is pretty much unbeatable in cinema, which is why mm. it comes in at number four. <laughs> so <laughs> number six. So we sell that one. <laughs> number six is uh, Maria's transformation from Metropolis, the second oldest entry in the list. Uh, Fritz Lang's 1927 black and white masterpiece. Again, hugely influential massively I mean maybe more so than anything else on the list just because it's been around longer but um, in terms of the visuals I mean those have been stolen by everything I mean notably further down the list we didn't talk about it but uh, the fifth element for example wouldn't exist without Metropolis Mm -hmm. Um, C-3PO wouldn't exist C-3PO wouldn't exist without Metropolis it's it's a hugely hugely important film and it's still pretty amazing actually it was one of these things where I was like all right, I should probably go see this like you know I should probably know about this film and was uh, slightly went out of duty rather than than love and and it is an incredible incredible piece of cinema um even now if you if you get the chance to see it on the big screen i highly recommend it it's longer than you think it's going to be you assume that all films are short they are not short uh but it is an amazing amazing film and definitely worth the time uh so that's metropolis at number six at number five dan it's the end of uh, planet of the apes is this your favorite film one of my favorites in the top five okay both uh dan and i petitioned for this to be one Really, I, I, yeah. I did. I did argue uh, right at the outset. I, I think That's originally I said let's do this, but only if the end of Planet of the Apes can be number one. Interesting. Um, but I, I, so I, how did I, it end up at number five? It's <laughs> a big drop. I'm a reasonable guy, and also I'm not. You know, you know. You you pick the, your king, of, the king of the world. You get that Matrix yeah. moment in at eight. 
Yeah, yeah. And this goes number five. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, this, this I would actually say is, in my heart, the greatest film ending of all time, as well as being one of the greatest. Nothing has floored me like this, because mm. I, didn't, I didn't know it was coming when I first watched it. Yeah. Nothing no. has floored me like this. Not usual suspects, mm. not nothing. Yeah. Mm. And despite the fact that there are horses on this planet and they all speak English. I mean, you know, if you really think about it, it's bloody obvious. Well, what what probably happened is that Charlton Heston grew up watching, like, Star Trek and believing that just one thing would be different on each planet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and didn't realise that, hey, that seems unlikely, actually, if you mm. think about the art. But it does, it plays with science fiction convention in that mm. sense. Yes. In that the audience just accepts it. Oh, yeah, fine, because that's what they're used to from science fiction films. But this film actually has a reason yeah. for it. It's, it's, also, it's also the best single piece of acting from Charlton Heston as well, I think, where he falls to his knees and punches the sand. And it was quite controversial as well, because uh, God damn you all to hell was considered swearing at the time, and they wanted the film to have a family rating. I was once with a bunch of young Americans, so I was trying not to swear to, you know, provide a good example. And so instead of saying, you know, the F word, I said, God damn. And somebody went, oh, you said the GD word. <laughs> and I was like, there's a GD word? Oh, no. I've got a C-bomb in my locker. Don't make me use it. Um, five, Planet of the Apes. Four, chest burster scene from Alien. This is inarguable isn't it this is so not the chestburster scene from Spaceballs come on this is true that's number three we're oh, going to get okay, there in a thank second goodness, thank goodness. I mean this is just yeah you can't argue this that. is a scene that you think everyone who even if you haven't seen Alien you know about this scene yes and that's I think testament to his impact extraordinary just imagine put yourself in the, in the shoes of an audience going into a cinema in 1979 you've no idea this is coming and you, you've been conditioned to think that John Hurd is the lead of this movie there he certainly you know becoming starter main course and dessert and his own last dinner it's 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 really it's brilliant it is inarguable and it's only just clicked that number four and number three of this top five are both ridley scott movies they are because number three is all those moments will be lost in time like tears in the rain uh like tears in rain sorry uh from blade runner so roy batty's uh farewell speech this 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 is this is kind of i mean obviously it's an amazing moment but it's a, a part of my theory that roy batty is actually the hero of the film And uh, Deckard is the villain. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, how um, a lot of uh, writings about the film since have essentially turned the replicants... I mean, if you read those uh, follow-up books uh, by the author whose name I have forgotten, I apologise, they essentially kind of transformed things so the replicants became more human than human and the humans became less human than human. Mm. It it went kind of both ways. Um, and I think that is probably a correct reading. It'll be interesting to see what, what the, how the sequel yeah, turns out in that respect. Very interesting. But yeah, to me, this is a hero's death. Yeah. A moment of self-sacrifice. Is this a self-sacrifice, really? He knows he's shutting down, doesn't he? No, it's not self-sacrifice. He's, yeah. he, he's failed to save himself, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, it's, 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 there's a, re- a redemptive element yeah. to yeah, it, obviously. It. Yeah, uh, a great moment. And Rutger Hauer still knows the speech off by heart and will recite it for you if you ask him. I well, have, and he did. Him. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't, and he did. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing it somewhere now. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's uh, he's playing Blackpool and Bournemouth this summer yeah. in, in rep. But Samuel L. Jackson can do that with the Ezekiel 2517 speech as well. And Brian Singer can do it with the um, Your Life Won't Be Worth the Paper the contract put out that is printed on scene from Usual Suspects. Wow. But he can actually recite the uh, lines that were cut from that speech as well. Okay. And you can still do that if you Show ask off. him these days. Yeah. Show and off. that's not even... can't do the gold watch scene anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I asked him if he couldn't. At a press conference I did once with uh, Clint Eastwood, I was in the audience, I didn't moderate it, he uh, did the Do You Feel Lucky Punk scene uh, speech to me Amazing. in response to a question I asked him about Dirty Harry. Amazing. And that was, yeah, okay. <laughs> Put you? a fork in me, I'm done. It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, number two, BMX Bandits. Um, how did BMX Bandits get into this oh, list? Oh, Chris, it's, you big silly. Oh, it's E.T., the extraterrestrial. Um, it's the it's the, the moment when the bike takes off. That so this be... is an interesting discussion because yeah. we didn't know whether to put it over the one where they fly over the sun and it's all of them or it's just the two of them and it's over the moon, which is the Amblin side. Uh-huh. Yeah. So when we went for the, the fire one because there's a, a rush of, <gasps> they're going to get captured. Oh, no, they're not. They've escaped. Like, enjoyment from it. But... I don't know. It feels to me that the moon is the iconic. That might moment. be number one for me, or or the goodbye scene, which again, again, I, we've established I'm a wuss. Also <laughs> makes me cry every single time. I, I think I think it's just there's nothing more magical than than that scene, and I use that in a very science fiction way, not a so, it's sci-fi fancy. magic. Yeah, sci-fi yeah. magic. Yeah. Sci magic. Yeah. Number one. How how much was this debated? This is interesting. Um, 
Dan didn't get his way with the Planet of the Apes. Instead, number one is Hal Shutting Down from 2001, A Space Odyssey. Terry told us it was number one, so it's number <laughs> one. <laughs> no, actually, actually, okay, so I got, obviously, everyone that works on the mag gave me a list of their favourite sci-fi moments. And this genuinely was the one that came up on the most lists. It came up on several people that work on Empire's lists. It couldn't be ignored. It it, just because it wasn't on your list, Chris, doesn't mean it didn't appear on the most list. I just want to say, for the record, though, I did not choose a moment from this overrated film. <laughs> the film itself, Mic drop. What, what you think about it, but this is a, a hell of a sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think the, the, you know, the stills we have there in the magazine do make that case and, and just the look of it has been hugely influential and mm. it is I mean it is still getting reference it is still cropping up in films today uh, it's not my favourite but I do appreciate it if that makes sense um, I thought I sort of think mm. it's brilliant but I don't love it in the same way that I would love E.T. for example I mean th- th- there's there's a parallel to the Roy Batty scene we were just talking about as well I'm not trying to say that Hal's a hero of the movie but the, the way you actually start feeling sorry for Hal and and Hal's Mm. not even physically present other than being a glowing red dot Mm. as he's shutting down and and his his mind is going as he says Mm -hmm. you feel really bad for him but also at the same time this is actually an epic battle it's a battle scene, this moment, because this is the, you know, the future of evolution. Is it going to be artificial or mm. is it going to be mm. organic? And again, you know, this was, you know, the resonation there to artificial intelligence, AI artificial intelligence as well, years and years later. And also, you know, 2001 itself, I mean, science fiction, cinematic science fiction, as we know it, is kind of, is here. This is the, the, the you know, the genesis point of, of the new era of sci-fi. Mm. It feels uh, like a the, the quintessential quiet action scene yeah like the lost art of that almost because i mean mission impossible where they he's dangling in langley that feels like another one hmm. uh, and where's that by the way there's nothing from mission impossible in here and that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a spy movie mate what's interesting is we were talking about uh, i know at one point several marvel movies were in contention to be on the list i mean are they technically sci-fi there are movies i don't think of as sci-fi so but then you've Had got been Spider-Man list, making that uh, the, his little webs uh, no, true, shooters, yeah. and that's certainly in the that's no longer organic, right? Like it was in Sam Raimi's. That's now yeah, yeah. That's yeah. now that's now him. I mean, technically being a science, speaking, yeah, I think yeah. science fiction. Thor is sci-fi. Yes, really, when you look at it that way. But but yeah, number one, Hal shuts down. I would have personally gone from this movie, uh, which I don't love, the Star Child sequence, because uh, it's so head trippy and it's which is I think something that's you know it's not really in the top 10 certainly there's you know that sort of head trippy challenge those challenging cinematic moments and it's wonderfully cinematic as well but this is a great sequence it's just a film personally that I don't love but it's it's, it's a fantastic number one very very quickly because uh, we all have to go what one moment do you think should have been on the list it's not on the list there's a few films that aren't there that I would like to see there Minority Report I'd probably put in that first sort of dancing with the computer screens sequence actually where he's figuring out with the uh, the prediction War of the Worlds is often maligned and let's be honest rightly so for some bits but the the initial attack is incredible mm-hmm. that's the Spielberg one uh, or the or the um the original Children of Men kind of sci-fi sort I say of sci-fi I say sci-fi um, hard to soon I can't think of anything can I have like the bottom half of your list yeah sure I'll pass it over uh, but you won't want Babylon 5 from that list so Babylon uh, 5 is a big pile of two, shit Babylon 5 is not a big pile oh, of shit and around about responses get out Come on, I'm Helen. I'm sorry. Anyway, but uh, about around the end of season three, we had an inter- intergalactic war developing. That was as good as sci-fi TV gets. Anything with Jason Carter from Babylon 5. Yeah. And I'm just... You know, you're there, aren't you? Just there. there. Yeah. It's just it's amazing. Amazing. I love Babylon 5. Um, it's not a big pile of shit. Johnny, what else is on that list? Well, on this list, I wish <laughs> I'm actually going to... Uh, I actually Outrageous. think... I know no one likes them and likes them less and less. Sorry, I've just thrown the paper at Helen for no reason. <laughs> I don't know who likes them and they're not well thought of but I think there are good moments in the prequels I agree and I wonder if we should have a prequel moment higher than any other Star Wars moment just to annoy everybody would you do like Yoda pulling a lightsaber what would you do would you do no I think Jewel of the Fates I love, I love, love, love Jewel of the Fates. I really love uh, Across the Universe that's the uh, the love theme right from um, episode 2 uh, so what? I think, really? I, I, I do as a, as a piece of music. I love it. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah. I don't love him falling off the space potato, but I do love him. <laughs> like I do love the music that they have for that. Um, um, I I, I wonder agree. if the final Obi Wan moment where he's you were supposed to 
bring balance to the force, not destroy it. Okay. I think he sells that moment. I, I like would, that moment. I go for Order sixty six. That whole sequence is amazing. Oh no, yeah. I go, and I go for Order sixty six. Thanks. It's fantastic. Genuinely fantastic. Dan. So, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, there was a decision to uh, avoid the superhero genre clogging up the list because once you kind of open the doors to the superhero genre, then I mean, on the Superman list of fifty. Is so um, yeah. So, but yeah, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I think was maybe a baby that, that got thrown out without bathwater conceptually. Um, I would, I could go for the uh, the prison escape sequence. I could mm-hmm. go for Drax saying, uh, "Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I would catch it." Mm-hmm. Or you know, uh, or another Drax moment where he puts his hand out and 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 strokes Rocket. Yeah, and, and Rocket shudders. And at then the end. accepts at it, the end. Yeah, yeah, at the end. Yeah. So, and that's one of my favourite of the Marvel movies. So, I kind of, uh, I do, I do have regrets about that not being on this list at all. I think Interstellar has some great science fiction moments. I think the the you know the sight of the black hole, the landing on the water planet, and the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know the tsunami yeah. comes in. Um, I uh, I could have gone for that as well, and. Firefly for a TV TV series, sci-fi TV series, uh, when Mal kicks the guy into the uh, into the turbine, the engine turbine. Suddenly, mm-hmm. uh, you, you think there's going to be a long extended scene of them, yeah. you know, and they just just kicks him into the turbine, and it's it's a great kind of throwaway moment, very uh, very Whedon esque. There's a great shock death in Firefly that I I won't spoil here. Mm. We spoiled everything else, but I'm, I'm not going to spoil that. But that that. Really took me by surprise. And Firefly is interesting. Uh, Serenity is interesting because I hadn't seen Firefly. And in fact, I, I've tried to watch Firefly since and I've really struggled with it. It's very slow. And I, well, there's I, so many episodes as well to get I know. Yeah, yeah, like, I know. I mean, oh, like, that's I a tough going, binge. Nine episodes? Do you want me to set aside up to nine hours of my time to watch this? No. But I really love Serenity and I thought that, that shock death moment really, really... Oh, you're talking about surprise. the Serenity shock death moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Sorry, you're, you're talking about Firefly. I was actually sorry, talking sorry. about Firefly, uh, yeah, an yeah, episode yeah. of Firefly. Firefly I can't remember, Serenity, actually, I can't remember yeah. this specific episode off the top of my head, but it's the moment where... Mm. Mal kicks the guy into the engine, yeah, yeah. the turbine of the engine. There, there's so many. There, I don't have the list of stuff I sent to you, but there's so many moments I just, I, you know, I'm a big sci-fi guy. I mean, I, I love uh, Battle Beyond the Stars. I think that's a fantastic uh, take on the Magnificent Seven yeah. uh, story, and <clears throat> George Peppard's death in that is a very, very, uh, yeah, elegaic, very sad, kind of funny moment as well. I've just ruined that for you, but it's a Magnificent Seven, so you know. Pretty much all die. Hmm. Um, that's really, really good. There's nothing from Event Horizon on here, Dan. What the hell is going on? Well, that's what I think. I think it's interesting. Like all the things that you look through, you would like these would be films that, as a whole, would get you know decent reviews. People would think quite highly of them. There's nothing. Hmm. And we talked about the prequels just a moment ago. But also, I'm not. I'm, we're open on the Jurassic Park um, moment, hmm. and you know the T-Rex attack is great. But I mean. So is the uh, T Rexes attacking and the glass breaking in um, the Lost the, World. In the Lost World, yeah, that's in an amazing sequence. That's an amazing sequence, and in, in in the truest sense of moments, mm. the truest sense of the great moments. That is a great moment mm. in a film that is perhaps not great, but we've perhaps overlooked some of those. Absolutely, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, it's a fifty. The list. 50, it's yeah. it, it's almost impossible to get a list that everyone will be happy with, everyone will agree with. Um, I, you know, you know my love for Event Horizon. It is well documented, but I wouldn't genuinely put a moment from Event Horizon on here. Um, <laughs> uh, but I would have put the opening of Contact, Robert mm-hmm. Zemeckis's Contact, yeah. yeah, because that. If you don't know what that that how that film begins, it starts with a close up of Earth and a, an explosion of noise of 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 different um, you know, radio shows and TV shows just bombarding the audience and slowly begins to pull back from Earth through the solar system, through the galaxy, past the other planets and the sound dies away to nothingness and it goes through various nebula and it is it goes on forever and it is possibly the greatest shot I have ever seen at, at summing up how small and insignificant we are. Okay. It's extraordinary. Um, There's a better shot in that film. There though, is a better shot in that film, which is the mirror shot. The mirror shot, which uh, I think you can find it on YouTube very easily. There's young Jenna Malone as the young, uh, yeah. young Ellie Arroway. Yeah, and it, it, it still boggles my mind how 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 exactly he did it or even conceived it. Yeah, let alone executed it. Yeah, but I it's it, but it's nothing to do with sci-fi in itself. As precisely, a I but, think because uh, I was I was I was pitching for contact and then I I, I thought oh, I love the mirror shot. Yeah, the mirror shot to this day is the only time I've turned to a friend of mine in the cinema 
and we both looked at each other and went, what did we just see? I have no idea how he did that. Yeah. What the hell? Because you know, it's because it's not ostentatious. You don't expect it in that moment. With the Matrix, Star Wars, you expect flashy special effects. In the middle of contact, which is largely earthbound, you don't. Um, it's a film I love. I absolutely, I, I think it's fantastic. And uh, I would have, I would have chosen that moment. But I'm glad. Just last thing here. I'm glad that my favorite TV sci-fi moment of all time made the list, hey. which is the uh, the end of. Uh, the best both worlds two-parter, the the greatest cliffhanger I would say in TV history, uh, when Jean-Luc Picard is turned into Locutus of Borg, ah. and then Will Riker decides to fire on the Borg ship. And you go, no, you can't yeah, do that because you'll blow up but Picard. It's like what? the two-step moment, isn't it? First of all, you've got the oh my god, he's been assimilated, and then you've got them going, well, okay, fine, we're going to kill him. <laughs> it's, you know, it's awesome. And then, and then the kind of like the, the way they get out of it, and the, and the uh, it's season three to season four, isn't it? That's I think right. Season three, yeah. So the, the season four part one, the way they get out of it is a little bit mm, really. It's a bit disappointing. I can't even remember how they get out of it. I remember that moment so well. Well, the idea is that the, the Borg have adapted to the frequency of the Empire, uh, the Enterprise's weapons, so the weapons are in, in actual fact meaningless and ineffectual. So, you know, the decision to fire on Picard, although he still takes it, you know, doesn't really ultimately go anywhere. Bit of a shame, but hey, what a moment. Uh, it's a cracking list and it, we didn't go through everything because we ran out of time if you want to take a look at the list it is of course in the new issue of Empire uh, on sale now as I said all good and evil news agents priced £4.50 Jeff Goldblum Independence Day research is undercover we could have talked about this list things that were on it things that weren't on it for hours but and we did just not we just didn't record it yeah, we, did. we were making well, it. yes precisely um, maybe one day we will record those conversations and make them available no, maybe we should just cut all the swearing out it'll be fine but I hope you've enjoyed this very very special Sci-Fi Moments uh, edition of the Emperor Podcast uh, and if you don't agree with our choices or you do agree with our choices um, or you think there's something from a film that maybe we didn't put in there do let us know via Twitter we're at Empire Magazine use the hashtag Empire Podcast uh, we're on Facebook as well and you can email us podcast at empireonline.com the regular podcast uh, the Mothership podcast, if you will, is up every Friday. Uh, there's also a Warcraft The Beginning Spoiler Special podcast with Duncan Jones. Uh, that's going to be up round about now as well. And there's lots more to come over a very, very packed summer. So uh, we hope that you stay with us. And until next time, it is goodbye from Johnny. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Dan. Nanu Nanu. <laughs> I, I don't know the Nanu Nanu, the goodbye version of Where's Nanu Nanu. Where's Mork in this list? Where was Mork in this list? Uh, up my ass. And then does Mork, by extension, make Happy Days sci-fi? I think the, the Fonz makes Happy Days sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do the 50 greatest sci-fi characters and the Fonz is number one. It's got to be done. But so we'll, do the, we'll do the pointless special first. Right, okay. Pointless and then Fonz. As soon as we get that pointless special past Terry, we'll then do <laughs> the next one. It's a totally pointless exercise. And it's goodbye from Helen. Toodaloo. And it's goodbye from me. Uh, until next time, live long and prosper. Bye. 